gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Fine, I can hear you now, Dimitri. Clear and plain and coming through fine. I'm coming through fine too, eh? Good, then. Well, then, as you say, we're both coming through fine. Good. Well, it's good that you're fine and, and I'm fine. I agree with you. It's great to be fine. It's, it's a podcast. podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fighting in the War Room. Uh, this is our review episode for September 19th, 2014. Uh, and a bunch of movies are coming out. So many movies these past few weeks so have been coming movies. out. Giant movies, tiny movies, all sorts of movies. Uh, good, and movies. good movies? Good movies? <laughs> uh, well, uh, you know what? Unexpectedly good? Well, we'll get there. Uh, it's just David and I today, and I think on the agenda is the latest Sean Levy joint, This Is Where I Leave You, and, uh, The Maze Runner, the latest YA nonsense, uh, from a newcomer, Wes Ball, director Wes Ball. Uh, and we're, let's just jump into things. David, I wanted to start with This Is Where I Leave You, a movie I was convinced I was gonna loathe, because I'm not sure I've ever liked a Sean Levy movie. I'm not a real Steel fan. I know that has some has some defenders. If out anyone there. was going to be a real Steel fan, I would think it would be Matt Patches. But <laughs> I'm not that soft. But uh, I must say, this is where I leave you. I enjoyed uh, oh, some yeah. level. What what is this movie about? Tell people. Oh boy, uh, you know better this, because you're Jewish and it's all about uh, sitting right. shiva. It's not actually about. This is one of my. This is one of the this smaller is the issues <laughs> that I have with the movie. Uh, is that it really just sort of exploits its Jewish premise for a very generic story um, and then just makes this family out to be Jewish whenever it's convenient, which is not often uh, in life and in this movie. But the, uh, This is Where I Leave You is adapted by a novel by a guy named Jonathan Tropper. He's a young novelist. Um, he actually wrote the screenplay for this film. Why he – I mean I, I, I don't I don't know how it works if, uh, if, if at a certain point you get to – reject the deal because the director involved or if he was simply so uh, eager for success that he thought, Sean Levy, there's the auteur capable of bringing my story to life. But Jonathan Tropper wrote the screenplay for Sean Levy and um, it's a story about a family, a large family who speaks over each other called the Altmans, believe it or not, uh, changed from the novel. Uh, I believe I believe they had a different last name in the novel, so that has to be deliberate. Scandal. Uh, yeah, and um, and uh, the story goes that Jane Fonda, who's the matriarch of this family, her husband dies, and his last wish was for all of his children, who have somewhat strained relationships with one another and with their mother and with their hometown in Westchester, uh, come home and sit shiva for a week. Sitting shiva is a week-long period of mourning in the Jewish faith, where essentially the family stays at home uh, and greets people who want to come over and share their condolences. Um, they talk about the deceased, etc. So it's a very convenient device to get all these kids uh, who are played by Jason Bateman as the protagonist, who is playing the stock Jason Bateman role, the sort of you know sane, snide Great. person in the middle of the maelstrom. Uh, Adam Driver as his obviously adopted, because he looks nothing like the rest of them, um, but he's not, they don't mention this in the movie. They have the uh, same kind of hair, him and uh, Tina Fey. I guess so. As his younger, as the baby brother, um, what's his face? Corey, Corey Stoll as the old. older brother who still lives in town, and Tina Fey as the only sister in the family. Tina Fey, of course, uh, is is uh, completely incapable of selling bad comic dialogue. I think it's a problem that uh, very talented 
comedians have when we know them to be talented. Uh, when they deliver drivel, it feels that much more inauthentic. <laughs> what do you mean, David? She's from New Jersey. It's funny. Oh, my God. Her accent is so unnecessary. It's really terrible. Why does uh, everyone no, – none of the other – siblings have really heavy jersey it's accents true. and she it's does true. i don't get that <laughs> i i really couldn't tell you uh, I'm jewish what so so they all are in this family it's uh i believe jordan hoffman called it august oi oi sage county yikes uh yeah i mean that's essentially what it is but without it's very generic and middle brow um this is it, it's it's it does everything in its power to make you know that uh, uh, don't worry about the Jewish stuff. Everyone in America, every family will will find something relatable here because this is down the road, uh, middle of the road rather, stuff. Um, all the beats are telegraphed a mile away. It reminded me of like Gary Marshall's recent films in a lot Ooh. of ways with how – It's not uh, that uh, schmaltzy. It has a little more – But how superficial the the narrative trajectories are and the characterizations – um, yeah, but at least these people are playing grounded, real people. I, I don't think they're ridiculous caricatures. And I think August Osage County is the worst movie because <laughs> it's melodramatic and insane and everyone is a goofball, even when they're in their darkest moments. I don't disagree with that. But I do I do miss any sort of uh, galvanizing, odd, any sort of unique energy to this movie. August Osage County, regardless of its many faults, had... Uh, very, you know, intense pathos behind it. A lot of screaming, yeah, very actory. But like, there was, there were things actually happened in that story. <laughs> Here, it's just, it's just, it, there's nothing interesting about these characters. And then whenever the movie tries to sort of step outside of the humdrum everyday material with Timothy Oliphant's brain damaged uh, ex flame of uh, that's a TFA. very strange storyline because that's like flirting with real tragedy, and but it's only flirting, right? I mean, Tina Fey's <laughs> character and him were like high school sweethearts that got in a car crash and she blames herself but not that much because she doesn't seem to feel real guilt or worry about it at night and we never spend enough she time with her from her window of course what do you mean That's... loving gazes from across the street what uh, could have been? well it's you know you can understand sort of the themes that they're trying to get at with this idea i mean this guy whose life was sort of cut off at the stem and, and has been forced to stay at home and never really uh, blossom beyond that. Um, but whenever this movie sort of circles things that are a little bit more incisive than the usual stuff, and by the usual stuff I mean ad nauseum jokes about Jane Fonda's fake breasts um, because this movie has such an awkward balance or misbalance between like really bottom-of-the-barrel comedy broad comedy and and character nuance right making her a sex therapist who wrote about her kids is more just a, a comedic twist than anything to do with why they're fucked up and the deconstructing harry riff that is never developed in a meaningful way but when like whenever um whenever they try to go for these real things it just exposes the limitations of of sean levy's talent which are severe and uh and I haven't read the novel, but See, I, can I think it's all on Tropper. I think it's all Jonathan Tropper's script. Sean Levy, I mean, having survived Date Night and some of his other goofy. <laughs> That's his best movie. I did not like Date <laughs> Night. Me neither. <laughs> uh, like that, that can't find a real relationship in the screwball shtick. And this, this movie 
inches towards that. I mean, Sean Levy could make an independent film one day if he really tried and didn't want the sheen, the Hollywood sheen, but he, he can't resist. Um, Why would he want to? It's not like he's ever, you know, he's ever suggested that he has the talent or the interest to make something of great value. Because he and can't yet, penetrate. Like, he wants he to go so further. Much. He wants darkness and he wants pathos that you're describing in August Osage County, but clearly this script that he's working with is a sitcom. I actually think every scene kind of feels like the last episode of Parenthood no. or something like that. I, I shouldn't bash Parenthood. Pa- Parenthood probably is a little more elegant than this, but just I just kept thinking of like a sappy, it's like Seventh Heaven uh, mm. where every scene they're talking about like, you know, go get them, live life to the fullest or, or be be better well, or be the different. Whole thing, the whole thing yourself. with uh, ba- ba- Bateman's character is that he's always played it safe and yet look what's happened. He's wound up in the same place he, uh, he and grew up. And they talk up. about it like 18 but times. Him and I Tina Fey are like sitting right. in the yard, sitting on the roof, sitting on the... <laughs> And at the same time, the movie is is guilty of the same sins, so to speak, in that it doesn't take a single interesting challenge. It doesn't make a single interesting choice. Uh, it, it's so safe that, of course, it doesn't really develop in any interesting ways. And speaking of parenthood, uh, which I do think is a, is a good com- yeah. point of comparison, this movie opens with Dax Shepard as a radio host. And it's like immediately when Dax Shepard opens a movie playing the usual Dax Shepard character what is the avoid- usual i don't know character. but i think it's one of those things you know he's a you shock see jock it, you know? just like spiritually in your mind <laughs> no he's just like you know uh sort of this brash character who is clearly you know very superficial there's nothing really to him and he's sort of a jerk like you just know immediately what world you're in Wait until you and see judge totally uh, yeah that's just show. not gonna be really yeah he's 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 plays a goof he plays a bumbling oaf <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know. That might actually still fall within the umbrella, oh, uh, the usual Jack Shepard. It's Shepard. a it's a malleable term. Oh. Anyway, um, you, you immediately know what world you're in. Um, he is Dax Shepard's character is having an affair with Jason Bateman's wife. And, not a spoiler. Uh, first thing that happens in the movie. First thing in the movie. And um, yeah, it's just it's the bar is set so the ceiling is set so low at that point that uh, you know it's going to be a rough. Two hours. And the best thing I can say about this movie is that it moves quickly. Um, <laughs> actually, that's the second best. The best thing I can say about this movie is Adam Driver, who um, – I don't while, like him as much. Well, I think that he is, he is not doing anything you haven't seen him do before. At the same time, he is the only person who brings a sort of ineffable energy to this movie where it's like they, he feels like a real – person his lines don't feel premeditated they don't feel like they fit neatly into the comic schema that's happening around and him yet he has There's the worst scene it. in the movie he Which has one? the worst scene with tina fey where he for some they're brother and sister in this movie and he goes out into the yard to like console her about something and it just feels like he's coming on to her so hard it was really weird and icky and then he picks her up and like spins her around i'm like are these guys in love is this this is the celebration or something? Oh, well, if yeah. only they had mentioned, you know, that he actually was adopted. Uh, maybe this could have been an interesting storyline. Uh, all of the royal Tenenbaums. Right. But the movie's already ripping I, off enough things. I have to give Jason Bateman credit. You're talking about the Jason Bateman stock character. No credit. No uh, credit. I enjoy the Jason Bateman stock character. And I think that's kind of the linchpin for me and why I'm ultimately 
and I ultimately enjoyed it on some level. I just like his shtick, his like eyebrow raising, trying to get through this crazy family. I mean, it's the Arrested Development character. He's he's playing a Bluth here. Um, yeah, but was- you can't be a Bluth without an Arrested Development script. <laughs> and uh, what you get uh, as a result of that is is him quickly becoming and number all these roles that he takes. They're that movie that you inexplicably like, The Change Up. And, uh, <laughs> See, and I am just bosses. a Jason Bateman fan. He is the new face of middle brow American mediocrity and can uh, he be an er- he's an everyman for me he's broken inside he's he's I, I don't know I, I just maybe I relate to him as kind of boring white guy uh, which he should be the everyman we deserve but I don't know if he's the everyman we need I, I'm not saying he's challenging this material at all but I think he's keeping it together and making some of the comedy really play I actually like Tina Fey a little more than you do I think in this movie they have great banter in this Jane Fonda and her fake boobs I don't care for. Connie Britton is in this movie for some reason. Ben Schwartz from 30 Connie Rock. Britton's really orange in this movie. She's very orange. Well, her hair is orange. And yeah, but it's like her skin also. I mean, it's not a good look. Catherine Hahn is completely wasted in this movie. There's so many characters. There's not enough time to spend on any particular scene or, or comedic beat. Catherine Hahn's character is – like Catherine Hahn is in Step Brothers in this movie. Like she, she is so removed from the tone of the rest of it. And I say this uh, almost to her credit because it at least spice things up, spices things up. But she is baby – she got baby fever. And she decides because her husband is impotent, she wants to sleep with Jason Bateman. And the scenes where she sort of like pops her head out of the ground, it's like, hey, are very stepbrothers. And at least, at least I got to reminisce about stepbrothers. So sitting Shiva did nothing for you. Uh, yeah, no, sorry. This is uh, not going to become a new Jewish tradition for me. Well, we will sit Shiva for this film, uh, <laughs> which didn't do it for you. Uh, I enjoyed it. I, I don't know. This is where I leave you. This is where we leave this review. I'm gonna leave you. Yes, I'm gonna. I'm gonna leave you because I wanna. And I'll go where people love me. And I'll stay there because they love me. No more headaches. No more heartbreaks. I'm gonna leave you where I meant you. I'm gonna I, I, I think both of us went into the Maze Runner uh with trepidation because these past YA films that had, did you even see Divergent or no. Beautiful Creatures? I yes. Like Beautiful Creatures. I actually like Beautiful Creatures too. Yeah, Beautiful Creatures is totally different. It's not even fair to put Beautiful Creatures in the same Beautiful category. Creatures is so... More it, fault in our stars than anything. Because Beautiful Creatures is, it solves my biggest gripe with all these movies and that they're all the fucking same. And Beautiful Creatures, while hardly a great movie, is at least completely in its own dimension. Divergent feels more like a carbon copy of Hunger Games and, than anything, which is why it was dismal. But Maze Runner, for me, ends up feeling quite different. This is uh, – at least the energy into the beginning of this film feels yes. quite different. Why don't you I don't set know it if the future – if I'm ready for the future of the Maze Runner <laughs> franchise per se. But I would say for three quarters of this movie – I was highly energized and really into it. So this two thirds, okay, three fifths. I don't know math. Um, this movie kicks off with this unnamed character played by Dylan O'Brien, which, as I learned from hosting a Q and A with with Dylan and seven hundred screaming young women, uh, they love him. He's on Teen Wolf, and he's a star. Apparently, Is, was uh, he made in a in a lab yeah, somewhere? He's a creepy crawler. Um, he he is l- generic white tween star 
Yes, but That's in this it. movie, he has facial hair. So is he from England? Um, no, I don't think so. Oh. oh, maybe he doesn't have facial hair, and he has facial hair when I met him. Anyway, the point is, Dylan O'Brien comes up into the glade from an elevator thing, and he has no idea where he is. It's just this kind of Lord of the Flies-like society surrounded by the maze. And um, he's trying to figure out who all these people are. There's all these boys around him living off the land, and he, and it's all about figuring out why is there a maze? And actually, the first 20 minutes is really just him walking to different people and asking questions and getting exposition kind of handed to him on paper. It's like, this place is called the Glade, and this is the maze, and these are the runners, and well, the, in movie... the maze, there's the grievers, the monsters, and everything has a name because that's YA, and it drives me nuts. But... Yeah, the movie dodges uh, exposition dumps by just sprinkling it out by having the, the character – uh, its protagonist just walk around and look at everything that a child could piece together and go, "What the hell?" It's kind of like mist when you walk around and click on things. And uh, yeah, <laughs> that's you made some comment about it being a point and click adventure, or was no, that that's another about, film? That's box trolls. We'll get there. Uh, okay. That was that was high praise actually. In this case, the mist comparison not a good thing. <laughs> but I think Wes Ball, the director of this film, who has not really done anything big before he's a visual effects guy he did this short film ruin which you can watch on youtube and i mean it's pretty much a visual effects sizzle reel for his cg capabilities but I this thought is brought... his directorial de- feature debut yeah, is it not yeah it, 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 yeah first thing he's done and i think he brings a lot of energy to the way he shoots this and the way he's like showing us okay we're entering this world and there's a lot of mystery and the angles of this maze and the dread that comes with being kind of contained in this world. And, of course, uh, Dylan O'Brien being a hero, while everyone's content exploring the maze and living life and uh, taking one day at a time, Dylan O'Brien, within days of getting there, is like, we're going to go in the maze, and we're gonna, I'm going to be a hero, and we're, we're going to radically shift this uh, paradigm. And so he, he wants to become a maze runner, which are the guys who go into the maze and track and try and figure out the route to take to escape, even though they have absolutely no idea what escape really means. And yeah, he shakes up society. So you have Will Poulter, who I believe was in, um, oh God, what was that comedy? Uh, we Are the Millers. We Are the Millers. We're the Millers. The son. Um, and he plays the beefy leader guy uh, who's telling Dylan, he keeps calling Dylan O'Brien a greenie, which is another I'm just like, just call him a whimper. Like, stop using nope, phrases. Gotta, gotta have new, gotta have new rhetoric. It's a <laughs> so YA movie. He's in charge of society, and Thomas Brody Sangster, who is in Game of Thrones, plays Newt, the kind of the the know it all, the number two. Um, Thomas's right hand man. It was very good. I thought he was. He was the uh, be- He's my favorite part of the movie. He's he should have been the lead of this film. He should be the like. He doesn't have to look like well, a hero to be a hero. And I but think- that's the thing is that the, the in YA adaptations, and this actually includes Harry Potter as well, which I tend to not lump in with the rest of these. Um, the lead is always the least interesting character. He is always a, a transparent proxy for the reader or viewer, um, and everything sort of orbits around him or her. But I think it's, it's probably – when you're building your story in that fashion, it's probably to the film's advantage that the the best fit between uh, actor and uh, character is not actually in the lead character. And, well, I mean, yes, so that's working against this movie, clearly. But I do think Wes Ball 
surprisingly, as a visual effects guy, has a real handle on how to construct this drama and this society, you know, well, the root society and, and the Maze Runner's greatest its greatest attribute is its uh, focus, is its smallness. I mean, there's a really great sense of space that I give a lot of credit to West Ball for, but just as much credit to the premise because uh, it's so, you know, clearly lends itself to walking around, getting a lay of the land as, as we see in the first act, understanding the rules of this place. I mean, you're not building 13 districts or whatever the fuck happens at Divergent. You're building... Um, that is Hunger Games. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, nice. but I was, I was transitioning. There was a comma there. Um, you are... This is this is a maze, and it's a very – the geography is ominous. The geography is the most interesting thing in the movie, and uh, it it is very it's, – it's great. I love the smallness of it. I love that you're not explaining all these warring factions and everything else. You can understand the Twilight Zone-y insanity of this predicament, um, and it immediately raises some very interesting questions about – you know what? Who built the maze? What's on the other side? How do you get through it? How much of it has been explored? Uh, who are these things? It's like Lost in a way. It's like the right. watching the pilot of Lost meets. Uh, this is the least original comparison you'll find Lord it everywhere. But Lord of the Flies. <laughs> um, and it, you know, when you hear the grievers going like Rah! and the maze shifting, it, it genuinely feels like Lost. Um, but. For anyone who may have been disappointed by the answers that Lost provided to its questions, wait till you meet the Maze Runner. Well, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. But before we, – we will do a slight spoiler portion of this review. But before we do that, I'm curious about what you think about West Ball as a director because obviously – Maze Runner amps up with action. Uh, Thomas Dylan O'Brien's character enters the maze. He's going to find a route, and he's going to do what other people don't, which is um, fight the grievers, these monsters, or encounter them and figure them out and push back against society, whereas so many of his compatriots are complacent. Um, right. I think that yeah. – well, I think that the the best thing that Westball does is actually – has nothing to do with the maze itself, but it is in um, having a very succinct – and interesting dynamic between those three main boys. Um, it, it, we really, he, he, unfortunately, I think his hands were tied from really making that the meat of the movie and having it become this man of science, man of faith sort of battle in a you know pint-sized version between uh, the kid whose name I can't remember from where the Millers and Dylan O'Brien and uh, and the kid from Love Actually, <laughs> um, but uh, the the scenes between them when they're arguing about the merits of staying in the maze versus uh, staying in the in the center of the maze where they live versus going back into the maze because um, they live in sort of a Garden of Eden and I think to some extent while the movie is broadly a allegory for you know being a teenager in general and and feeling this need to rebel and escape even though you don't necessarily know it's in the world at large but it also sort of functions as a christ allegory um what i mean in in like very broad strokes like i'm not i'm not saying this This movie's just dying to be peter brooks uh version of lord of the flies and i wish it really could have luxuriated in the glade the but when the place where they live but when dylan o'brien's character is like you know i'm one of them and they've been sent from these this other people who knew what was happening who built this world i mean it is very and then the people are uh considering betraying him um See, i and, don't think i don't i no longer sense that as a christ narrative and just think of that as a ya mishandled trope <laughs> like it doesn't make any sense why Thomas, you learn, is kind of a special 
boy compared they're always to the rest special of they're always it's always you you're special you're different it's probably more of a peter pan allegory because all of these leads and this includes katniss and harry potter and, and all the others are are not characters they are two virtues you know put into an attractive package they are uh you know curiosity and and valor or you know nobility whatever you want to call it and and that sort of drives they're the engines that drive these stories but they are not characters <laughs> um but anyway so west ball i think he handles those scenes well i wish he had the freedom to have more of them i think the stuff in the maze is competent um he has a freedom to go a little bit darker than a lot of these movies this movie is surprisingly violent and scary at times there is yeah, a scene late in the f- or later in the film where the grievers enter the glade and kind of shake up the boys and and go on the offensive for one for you know finally and then mysteriously uh, retreat and and then just stop um yeah. but that scene is like i mean that's that's spielberg level it's spielberg lost world <laughs> i'll say that it's not quite jurassic park or something like that but it's certainly all the right uh, angles. All the I don't stairs, even know. All the I don't lighting. even know about Lost World eras. I'd say maybe it's Jurassic Park three. Joe Johnson. Joe Johnson's level, but uh, there's it's there's a, a step moment. above everything else in sure. the same kind of category. But there's a moment like an hour earlier where they are um, a griever dies in the maze and they're going to like look at the carcass and that that I thought was very potently filmed um, in a kind of way that you don't see in movies like this i thought that unfortunately and this sort of will begin to bleed into my bigger concerns with this whole movie and and the mythos behind this series is that um there's not much in the maze to discover i was super interested in the maze as a concept and as a as a place the maze is very uninteresting to look at it looks sort of like that city from the end of inception with all these sort of it's so boring all gray all blocky it's really boring. Um, we really don't get to see much of it. There's a time where they identify the various sections of it, and like I started to get interested, and I was like, oh, okay, I, I'm really into sort of the the mythology of this maze and how it works. But then um, you, you simply because of how be, uh, can we start the spoiler section? Can we, can we go into that right, a little all bit. All right, we are going to sound the spoiler gong. Although we haven't talked about one huge part of this movie that oh. doesn't require spoilers, which is okay. Kaya Delario. right? Who is completely wasted? Holy crap! Like I was so on board with this movie, and then you know this girl comes up from the elevator, Teresa, played by Kaya Scodelario, who I think we've seen in Wuthering Heights Wuthering and Heights. Skins. She was but amazing. Really in Wuthering Heights, she was great. Um, apparently, she has Skins fans, but um, she comes up. And everyone's like, oh, my God, a girl, like the first time. We've never had a girl before. And then it doesn't matter at all. It doesn't matter at all. It's not important. She has nothing to do in the whole movie except bring an object to the glade. And that's it. And, she, and it actually really – it really defang- – like it's a, it's a great – you know, for, for the first half of the movie, the story makes narrative choices that completely re- change the game with every – decision in a way that is you know good sci-fi storytelling 101 it's like you think you're getting a lay of the land and then the you know tectonic plate shift and and something new is introduced and it casts a new sort of uh 
veneer over everything. And her introduction uh, is yeah, her introduction like is that great. because exactly. it's like a girl walking to the other side of a high, uh, middle school gym during the dance and all the exactly. boys are like, <gasps> But the dynamic or lack thereof really that forms between her and all of the guys in the camp completely defangs the darkness that the West Ball has worked so hard to cultivate. Not not that I'm saying that you know there immediately needed to be you know, rape attempts on this poor girl or anything like that. Um, and I think that it actually, you know, one of the things that I enjoyed about the movie was the, how palpable the sense of togetherness and solidarity was in the camp. These boys stuck in this Eden-like place, working together in relative harmony, building a society. And you, it's sad that that society is disrupted. Um, they bring a girl into it. I think I would trust these kids to stay in line and to, you know, sort of meaningfully develop a consensual relationship with her as to whether or not they're going to pro- procreate and have kids, whatever. Um, but uh, I do think that the movie was so afraid to tackle any of these elements that it simply sweeps her under There's the rug. No time to. I mean, Uses by her, the time well, she the gets there, it's action time. It's escape time. Because she's really uh, planted there for future movies and now if we move in we sound the spoiler gong um the problem is that the maze runner you know of course it's it's the part of a trilogy or i think there are even four books now it's the first one and it was obviously reverse engineered from or not even reverse just engineered from the idea of the maze and built outward from there and it's it's a plot des- it's a premise desperately in search of a plot because he has this idea he has no idea where to take it he <laughs> takes it in all of the least interesting ways you can think of but he the problem is that he does that so quickly you could have spent two or three movies in the maze it could yeah. have been the end of the second movie that they get out of the maze we could have really known the maze uh, had you know built out these relationships the show's with the, girl. Are the movie's so indebted to Lost you would think that it could pattern itself off the kind of slow build. That yeah, that show found, but it can't because it's it's going to a you know supposedly impatient tween teen audience, young adult audience. It needs to follow this set in stone YA pattern of of how it develops, um, and it just absolutely and mercilessly crushes any sort of narrative momentum or hope that you would have for this movie <laughs> and for the. The, and the re- the revelations that we get in this movie are so profoundly stupid. Holy crap! It's <laughs> it's mind blowingly bad because the okay. So to set up here, people listening to the spoiler section have seen the movie. Um, first off, let's just gloss over the fact that they fight spider robots for half this movie. How dumb that is! <laughs> um, but they they make their way through the maze. They get to the end, and what do they find? Patricia Clarkson, who's running this laboratory. They're testing because of some virus, maybe? And they've all committed suicide, or they've been found or out. Or not. Uh. And then, whoop, no! Five minutes of explanation thrown out the window, and who knows what the fuck happens at the end of this movie. Um, egregious. Egregious levels of, like switcheroo nonsense muddling the story the idea that this would all be okay so some virus the the sprawl the what's it called the the virus has a name it's something silly who cares Uh, no more names and why hate things right and then uh they're, they're like okay we put all these kids here because we had to test you because we would learn from your behavior or brain activity. They're somehow monitoring everyone's brain activity would teach us how to fight the virus. And I'm like, I, I am no scientist, but neither are the kids in that you're in your target audience. And if this so 
chafes against my understanding of how the real world works. I mean, it's just such an unsatisfying horseshit answer to these problems. Uh, and in a, in a way that doesn't even sort of meaningfully contribute to the themes that the movie has preoccupied itself with. I mean, even Lost, even when it had its missteps, it was always in service to the right. sort of central ideas that the show was trying to develop. And this is just some left field bullshit uh, in order to set the stage up for a completely different. And, and like I'm thinking the whole time, if, is the second movie going to be called The Maze Runner colon something? Because there's not going to be a fucking maze. Yeah, it'll be <laughs> called The Maze Runner colon The Scorch Trials. That's what the second book is called. But the, what? <laughs> I, I just couldn't believe... And I mean, I, I appreciate, I wish this movie could have just gone with its its violent coda, which is Will Poulter comes back and really doesn't want them to leave. He's just gone off the deep end and he shoots the little kid. Now, of course they shot the little kid because he would grow up too much by the time they did the second movie. So he had to die. Uh, we all saw it coming, right? Um, but I, I thought that and just an air of mystery, right? Why can't guys with guns run in and just take them all? at that moment, without any explanation. Uh, you know what the, the plot is, uh, reminded me of, is the first Resident Evil movie. Yeah. It's like there are these characters in a confined location. It's the most interesting of the series. You sort of understand the stakes. They're moving through it. They get there. It's to the end. But it's all, all of Resident sudden, Evil packed into five minutes. Right. All these guys with guns run in, and they take you off to a new place. And they're like, oh. now begins phase two. I was surprised that there wasn't somebody selling tickets to the sequel outside of our screening. I mean, it's such it's such obvious product. Ugh, gross. Uh, well, I, I'm ultimately positive. <laughs> this is how I did. This is where I leave you too. I, I I I like the Maze Runner. I really think West Ball is a guy to watch who has a handle on this as much as he can. This kind of flimsy material w- w- that gives him very little to do dramatically. I think he ejects it with. Um, just with a sense of danger and a sense of ferocity that I don't get to see in these YA movies, especially about kids. Like, kids killing kids is not something you see, and it's something you kind of want to see if it's if the idea is on the table. It's, you want to see kids killing kids? I want to see kids killing kids. Uh, no, if, the, I, if the idea is out there, if this world is that dangerous, then it has to show us, right? And, and West Ball goes there. The material goes there, but then wet fart. <laughs> I mean, the the tragedy of The Maze Runner is that I actually think, you know, uh, in the dystopian, of the dystopian variety, it's probably the best YA movie of this, you know, recent wave for the first half uh, until it becomes one of the worst in the second half. And it's just uh, that the fall off is so steep uh, that it's really, it's hard for me to recommend you bother. Maybe if people Uh, walk out of the movie as soon as they enter the maze, when... Thomas is like, we're going in, with or without you. And if you just walk out of the movie and then go see the sequel and have no idea what happened, that might be more beneficial than sitting through over-explanatory nonsense. Hey! Now walk it out! 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 Okay, that about wraps things up for this week's Fighting in the War Room. Why don't we go to our lightning round question, which was inspired by the Maze Runner, but not really. Inspired by the maze in the Maze Runner, which is as far as the author got, I think. Um, what puzzling movie only made sense the second, third, fourth, etc. time that you watched it? David, who are you going with? 
I'm going to go with Ryan McNeil at matinee underscore CA who says Mulholland Drive, though I never did figure out the deal with the tiny old people in the blue box. And I'm going to go with that because I vividly remember seeing Mulholland Drive for the second time and not feeling like I necessarily solved the, the movie because I think, you know, to reduce it to that sort of parlor game is is not right. But just that I, I felt like I had so I was getting so much more out of it. And I, I just remember that feeling and uh, so i'll go with that and i'm gonna go with uh ryan silberstein at silver whatever who says not puzzling per se although i will say this this counts uh but he says the apartment i expected more farce and less bittersweet romance and scathing satire of corporate america i'm sure that we all have that uh experience with movies especially if you saw something like the apartment when you were younger uh and and you enjoyed it as jack lemon silliness and then all of a sudden the sadness seems to set in as uh, you grow up and experience your own sadness and realization of the world. Uh, what a downer. What a downer mm-hmm. beat. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, that wraps things up for this week. Uh, David, where can people find you on the internet if they don't know already? Uh, you can find me on the internet at, uh, well, I, I am the editor-at-large of Little White Lies magazine, uh, our latest not issue. Not on the on, internet. Well, Not on the internet. Also on the internet. Our latest issue of Little White Lies, uh, Maps of the Stars, is now uh, and finer, finer bookstands, news stores. What are they, what are they called now? Uh, you can also find me at the Dissolve, at uh, Complex, the AV Club, and on Twitter at David Ehrlich and at Criterion Corner. And I am Matt Patches. I write all over the internet. I just started a gig uh, with my buddy Chris Tapley at In Contention, which is HitFix's award blog. That'll be fun. I'm probably driving David up a wall talking about awards, but so be it. Uh, and I put everything on mattpatches.com, and I'm on Twitter at Mr. Patches. Uh, and until next week, farewell. <laughs>